Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Stockwell service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Good morning, everyone. Or should I actually say Merry Christmas? It does feel a bit early, doesn't it, <laughs> to start the Advent series, but here we go. I know this is a Christmas-loving service, so I guess we'll be all right. And... Um, we're doing this series as a way of helping us actually to prepare and uh, prepare our hearts for this uh, season. And we kind of use these times of year really as part of our spiritual journey. And this year we have chosen to look into four different persons who are surrounding the birth of Jesus, trying to learn from them. How did they prepare? How did they respond to the whole news about this child being born? And I will focus on Mary. Uh, so Mary is my top headline for, for this talk. And then I have a sub-headline saying, the joyful surrendering to the renewal of the calling to follow Jesus in all arenas of life. <laughs> Honestly, this was a short version. <laughs> so there you go. The joyful surrendering to the renewal of the calling to follow Jesus in all arenas of life. If we think about it, is this something we might need at this stage? I have been wondering about that for some weeks. It seems like we are now into something which we might call the new normal or something which could be the new normal for some time to come. And at least personally, I feel like it's almost like I need to be renewed in some of the things that were quite ingrained in my life before this whole pandemic story started more than a year and a half ago. So this is really the inspiration that I have been praying about for my own life and for us, uh, that we may experience some of that. And I think the Advent time could be a perfect time actually to receive this invitation for renewal of our calling to follow Jesus in all arenas of life. Before focusing on Mary, I want to introduce you to another uh, woman. She is called Alice, and I met her at a monastery in Bose in Italy. And this is a ecumenical convent, which means that both Catholics and Protestants live in community together. And the beauty of this place is completely amazing. It's breathtaking. And my first impression was, these are obviously people who have kind of fled from the reality of the world. But as I engaged with them and heard their stories, I realized they are very engaged in the world. Many of them work in the nearby communities and have high positions in society. But they have simply chosen to live a very simple way of life to uh, enable them to be followers of Christ in an increasing complex world. So no matter what position they had, they gave everything that they earned to the community and they all received the same amount of pocket money and it wasn't a big amount. And to be honest, I was a bit like, really? I talked to one of those with a high position. He said, yes, if I need a new pair of glasses, I need to go to the sister who is in charge of the money and ask her for money. And I was just, I didn't know how to respond to that. Uh, so these people, they go for prayer uh, four times a day if their job permits them to it. 
And then they read the Bible in this way, which some of you would know about, which is called Lectio Divina. And to put it simply, this is a way of reading the Bible where you first read slowly through a passage of the Bible. Then you pray almost like a con conversation with the passage that you have been reading. Then you meditate on these deep truths that you kind of see in the passage that you are reading. Then you are contemplating, which means that you are simply sitting with it, resting in the presence of God, believing that He is present as you are reading His Word, and you're not doing anything that demands energy of you. You're simply sitting with it. And then finally, you go out and you do likewise. You follow the Word that you have received. So this was something very particular for these people. And to be honest, I can't recall having met as much joy as I did in this place. And I have been a bit around. I have lived for some time now. This is the most joyful experience in the sense of being in an atmosphere of joy that I have ever experienced. I've never been sitting at a meal laughing so much as I did when I was dining with these monks or brothers, as they called themselves. And the red wine was really good. It was home-produced Italian red wine, but I promise we only had one glass. And, but there was so much laughter and joy in the room. And then uh, on the second day we were there, we were supposed to meet with this sister Alice, who was to introduce us to this Lectio Divina. And to be honest, when we met her, it, it was not like our expectations were sky high. You wouldn't notice her if you passed her on the street. She was definitely not the kind of person who, with a, with a charisma that kind of took over the room or anything like that. But as soon as she started to speak, reading out a passage from the Bible, and started to interpret Scripture with Scripture, we were like, wow. At that point, I had been a pastor for at least two decades, and I had had the privilege of, you know, dining some, with some of the big shots in the Christian world. I had been to most of these big-time conferences. I had heard amazing teachers, but I had never experienced anything like this. We were there, a group of Scandinavian leaders, there were 20 of us, and we were all like, Whoa, what's happening here? This little sister, she totally took us by surprise. So afterwards, I thought, well, she's obviously some scholar that I have never heard about, spending all her time reading the Scriptures, studying and being in touch with scholars all around the world. But then the day after, we were taking uh, on a tour around the premises. And finally, we came to the workshop where they produced these candle, candle lights. And who did we find? We found Sister Alice. And this was her full-time job, producing candlelights. And when she explained it to us, she had such joy radiating from her eyes. And I was like, I don't know how to relate to this. What is the secret of this little lady? I do believe that we find her secret in the story of Mary. Uh, and that is what we are going to focus on. For Mary, this was very unexpected. She was most likely a peasant girl from a quite ill-reputed area in Israel called Nazareth. 
her life would, for all we know, be a very ordinary life. She would have grown up in her father's home under his authority. Now she was engaged to be married to Joseph, expecting to live under his roof and under his authority. Her, her world simply left no room for other expectations or dreams. But God breaks into her world and calls her to something completely extraordinary. Something that is happening within her world, but still completely extraordinary. To be the mother of Jesus Christ, the second person in Trinity, the savior of the world. That was the calling. To put it more generally, she was called to be a vessel for Jesus to be manifested into this world, which means for Jesus to be seen, felt, and heard in this world. Well, how on earth was this to happen? That was Mary's big question, and maybe some of us are wondering about that too. Well, it seems to be the very same principle that we see throughout the Bible, a consistent principle, that we have this holy combination of the Word of God being spoken, here by the angel Gabriel. And then we have the Holy Spirit engaging with that word. And then in this story, we have a third element, the surrendered heart of Mary. And this combination results in the conception and birth of Jesus. It was the same way God created the world. Originally, he spoke his word, and then the Holy Spirit, who was hovering over the waters, engaged with that word, and creation came into being. This seems to be the principle seen in the parable of the silver, when Jesus says the seed falling in good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And understanding also means receiving it. This seems to be what the Apostle Peter writes about to the early church using these words. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And most interpreters agree that this spiritual milk that Peter talks about is the Word of God. So there's good reason to believe that the way Jesus is being manifested uh, even today through his church, through the community of believers, is in the very same way people surrendering to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God. This seems to be the principle. That is how Jesus is being seen, heard, and felt in this world. Is this just a story of Mary? No. This is basically the story of everyone who is a believer. So if you are here with a belief in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, this is your story and this is my story. Traditionally, Mary is called the first believer because she was the first to believe the word about Jesus and she was the first who carried him inside of her. But we know from the story of the Bible that it's, it is the exact same thing God does with us. He breaks into our ordinary world. And then he invites us to receive the word about Jesus Christ. And when we receive that word, when we come to faith, we, we, a new life is being born within us. It's called being born again. 
And the Holy Spirit works that in our lives. The Apostle Paul describes this as Christ living in our hearts. And he also calls it us being a temple of the Holy Spirit. And this corresponds with the calling of Jesus Christ to all the believers, not only to carry him within us, but to follow him, to live his life, to make Jesus seen, heard, and felt in all the arenas of our lives. So here we have the three elements. We have the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit at play, and then we have the surrendering to this Word, the surrendering to this invitation from God. And there are moments when we make big decisions of surrendering. This may be such a moment for some of us who are here today. Just this morning, I received a text from a guy from my past, um, which came to completely unexpectedly. But he was sitting at a meeting like this for the first time in his life, actually. So he had no clue about what, how do you behave in a meeting like this. So at the end of the meeting, when I made kind of the invitation, the altar call, and say, if you in some way feel like God has spoken to you and you want us to pray with you, then you can come up. And this was a big, a big traditional setup. So I was kind of standing with a huge pulpit in front of the congregation uh, on a kind of lifted level. But he didn't just come up there. He came all the way up, and then he stood next to me <laughs> on the pulpit. And I was like, this is a new one. <laughs> How do you deal with that? And, and I had no other idea than actually then starting to pray with him there. So there and then he kind of said yes to Jesus, and it completely altered his life. Um, sometimes there are big decisions that we make, life-altering decisions, but then there are also the daily decisions that we make. And Jesus makes clear that both are needed, the big ones, but also the ones where, that he describes as the everyday decision to take up our cross and follow him. And many would interpret this as us making the intentional free choice of using our will to choose to follow his will for our lives, no matter what that will is. And that decision, that daily decision, again, is followed up by a myriad of small decisions in our lives. How do I respond to this impossible spouse of mine? Or how do I respond to this child that doesn't behave as angelic as I would have hoped for? Or how do I respond to this totally crazy colleague of mine who makes my life miserable? How do I spend the time I have available? And you can ask all sorts of questions. And these big decisions and the daily decisions, they influence how we interact with all the small decisions of life. Mary made a huge life-altering decision of surrendering to the word coming from heaven, the invitation from God. And how does this surrendering then play out in Mary's life? Well, in two ways, actually. We are only going to focus on one of them. The one that we see in this scripture is what we, scripture is what we might call embracing the will of God. 
at another passage in the Bible about Mary, we see Mary pursuing the will of God, which is actually similar but a quite different thing anyways. We may focus on that at another service later on, but right now, let's focus on this one. How do we embrace the will of God for our lives? She said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What was Mary's dream? Well, definitely it wasn't this one. For all we know, she had dreamed of a quiet or dreamt of a quiet, long, healthy life with Joseph and probably in that culture having lots of children and see them grow up and her full life to be centered around them. And then this happens. A life with so many risks involved. How would Joseph respond to this? Who would believe such a story? Would Joseph believe it? Would anyone else believe it? How on earth would I carry such a responsibility to be mothering the Savior of the world? How should I be able to carry this? How can I say yes to a life which becomes so totally unpredictable? And yet, she did say yes. Yet, she gave a complete surrender to this invitation from heaven. My favorite author and favorite monk, you might say, uh, he's now uh, not among us any longer. His name is Wilfred Stinesen, is quite preoccupied with this whole surrendering business. So I'm quite inspired by his literature. And here are just a few of his sentences on this. He says, as long as we want to decide ourselves where we will find God, we don't need to be afraid of actually meeting him. It's quite provocative, isn't it? Then he says, all we encounter is ourselves, a retouch version of ourselves. And then he continues, we become constructors, chasers, refugees from reality instead of embracing it and meeting with God in it. He's quite a provocative monk, isn't it? Isn't he? And then he goes on and he says, the resisting of life and circumstances of life produces an inner spasm, which is the most foundational reason for human misery. The resisting of life and circumstances of life produces an inner spasm, which is the most foundational reason for human misery. Is he right about that? In my experience, he is completely right. So let's just sit with this just for a few seconds. This may not be something going on in your life or in my life, but it could be worthwhile asking the question, is it going on? Or is it going on to some degree, to some level? I think we all know that it's rare to live exactly the life we dreamed of. Probably no one really does. Probably even the season ahead of us, this festive season, which is so layered with narratives of dream coming through, probably it won't be exactly as we are dreaming of. Probably our friends turn out to be slightly different than we would dream of. Certainly your children, at least in periods of their lives, will turn out 
different from what you would be dreaming of. I don't have to be a prophet to predict that. I have three kids and three grandchildren. So that's just how it is. And with Meta sitting here in front of me, I'm not going to talk about how husbands turn out, but you can just think of it, the rest of it, yourself. It's always a bit different, isn't it? John Lennon from Beatles said it quite precisely, I think. He said, life is what happens when you are busy preparing for something else. It's quite an interesting sentence, isn't it? When I heard it the first time, I was like, what? And then I thought about my life and I was, yeah, <laughs> he does have quite a point, the man. We are somehow wired to look to build a life heavily layered with dreams about relationships, careers, houses, holidays, and all of those things. And yet, none of it in itself gives us life. And we know that. And yet, it's so hard for us not to be preoccupied with it. It's so hard for us not to make unintentional deals like, God, I believe that you are with me if you give me the career that I want. Or if you straighten out my spouse, or if you give me a spouse, or if you sort out some friends that I can kind of relate to, and on and on it goes. Mary's path is a completely different one. It's a part, path of surrendering. It's a choice of embracing life as it is and surrender to God in it instead of making strange, unspoken deals like these. The way of surrendering doesn't do that. Quite the contrary. In the midst of life, as it is with all its frailty and things wanting and the rest of it, it says, God, for you everything is possible. You can turn the rubbish of my life into gold. However you want and whenever you want, Without reservations, without conditions, I surrender to you. That is the way of embracing the will of God. It's this kind of surrendering that Jesus exercised in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Is this easy for us or is it hard for us? Maybe for some this is an easy thing to do. I know for me it isn't. When I look at my own personal experience and when I kind of compare it with some of the literature that I'm reading, even back from the early church, it looks like there are three areas of resistance in our lives to this kind of surrendering. One of them is our intellect. So, I don't know about yours, but my intellect has kind of certain demands that needs to be met before it's satisfied. Two plus two needs to add up to four. Uh, there needs to be a cause and effect for me to be kind of relaxed and see that things connect together. And one thing needs to lead to the other that leads to the other that leads to the other, and preferably in a linear progression. Then, as a, with my Western mindset, I'm quite at ease and I can kind of follow things. Well, this is not quite what we see in the story of Mary, is it? This kind of intellectual thinking. She does ask for an explanation, but when you think about it and look to the answer, 
that she receives from the angel, it's hardly even an answer. It's definitely not an intellectual answer. It's not like Mary giving a sigh of relief saying, oh, now I see. Now I understand. Well, let's go for it. That's definitely not what is happening here. It's something beyond the intellect. And yet, surrendering to the calling of God is the most sound intellectual decision we could ever make. The logic is really clear. If God is, if He loves me, if He has my best interest at heart, then what would be more clever than surrendering to His will? Actually, not to do it would be the opposite of clever, wouldn't it? So in a way, it's beyond the intellect, but on the other hand, we can use our intellect to make a sound decision of surrendering. The other area of challenge is typically our will. And for me personally, that is always where I have my biggest battle, since I was a child, actually. I grew up in a Christian context, but I remember from early on, I was a bit like, hmm, fully saying, God, whatever you want. I, I, was, I was a doubting child. <laughs> I was a bit like, I, I'm not sure that's a good idea. And it's followed me a little bit. I still struggle at times with this. So only a few weeks ago, I had to get up very early. It was hardly, it was actually in the night I had to get up. And I had to go through different areas of my life and say, God, if that is what you want, and then I kind of named my worst fear in that area, said, all right, I trust you, and I will do it. I will be there. I will follow you. And then I had to go through area and area and area until my soul found rest, and I could go back to sleep. And knowing myself and knowing life well enough, I know it's not going to be the last time. I hope I can do it in the afternoon next time because it's not a fun thing to do in the night. But anyways, it's just part of the struggle of life. We have this will. And no doubt Mary's will was set on other things when she encountered this calling from God. But she chose to receive the words from the angel of God and surrender to them. And then finally, there is our past. And I know for some people this is where they would have their absolutely strongest battle. Sometimes we have trouble surrendering to God for the future because we have painful experiences that we carry with us from the past. And fundamentally, as human beings, it's very normal. We are afraid of repetitions of painful experiences. And therefore, we do everything we can to take control and, if possible, avoid them. Some of us are in need of finding healing from our past and find a new way to relate to it. Some of us look back at situations and we feel like they are God-forsaken situations in our story of life. And it has created an empty void inside of us, a sense of hopelessness. And we simply need to experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit taking us back to those situations to realize they were not God-forsaken. That that is a lie. They might have been painful. They would have been painful, but they were not God-forsaken. 
Some of us simply need to have a personal experience of the truth that God being the perfect Father always exceeds us when He participates in our experience of both joy and pain. And some of us need a heavenly intervention to help us stop mourning things that happened in the past for us to be able to have released faith for the future ahead of us. I believe there's healing in the room today for this sort of thing to happen for those of us who are struggling right now. Now, we don't have much insight into the battles going on in Mary as she was receiving this calling from God, but we know how he helped her. He said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. It's fine. It's okay. That's an amazing greeting, isn't it? Being called to something that will mark the rest of your life. Do not be afraid. Coming from God, that's a quite big thing. And then the next thing, you have found favor with God. It's not only all right, it's double all right. <laughs> it's not just because I have to, I will make sure that you will be all right. It's because I love you perfectly that I'm doing it. You can't get more security than that. In his highly recommendable book, Desiring God's Will, the psychiatrist David Benner puts it like this. He says, once we truly encounter perfect love and the kingdom plan to make this love the rule not only of heaven but also of earth, surrender is less an act of volition than an impulse of love. I really believe this to be true. And I think this is the way that God leads us into this embracing, surrendering in the life that we have right now. Putting to rest all the struggles, the painful thoughts about what needs to be, what should be, and what I have to get. And simply just meet with God in the here and now and experience Him saying to us, do not fear, you have found favor with me. That's where our hearts come to rest and we are actually enabled to fully surrender to Him. Then I know some of us might say, well, that's fine for Mary. But if you knew my life, if you knew my story, if you knew my hidden thoughts, if you knew what I said to my child the other day, if you knew what I said to myself the other day or this morning, if you knew what I did to my partner, if you knew, and the list goes on and on and on, well, then it's a different story. Well, is it? The simple message of Jesus dying on the cross for all of us is that we have found favor with God. That's why He did it. To create a way for us to live in community with Him. And out of that experience comes the other longing of Jesus Christ for us to live with Him and for Him to be able to live through us, for us to be follower of Him followers of him so he can be seen heard and felt in this world so it's not only for mary whatever your story looks like whatever you did this morning whatever you thought whatever you felt or whatever you're thinking of right now this is for you this is for me it's not just the story of mary
So, if the band could come up again, our wonderful two-person band you're doing so brilliantly, um, how can we follow Mary's example this Advent? And I'll give you one suggestion, and, and to be honest, if you follow this suggestion, I think it could have a, a major impact on your life. And I really mean that. And that is to pray a daily prayer of surrendering. So um, I haven't made it easy on you. If you want this prayer that I'm going to read aloud now, and you will see on the screen, you will have to email me, and then I will happily send it to you. But you will have to work for it if you want it. So this is a chance for you to make a decision. Do you want to do this or not? God will bless you in any, any ways, no matter what you choose, but it is a possibility. So here's the prayer. It's not written by me, sadly. It's written by Brother Charles of Jesus. He was a monk. It's quite a name, isn't it? Brother Charles of Jesus. And this is the prayer. And you can read it aloud with me if you want to, or you could read it on the inside or if you're not ready for a prayer of surrender, you can just leave it. This is how it goes. Father, I surrender to you. Do with me what you want. Whatever you do, I thank you. I am ready for anything. I am with you in everything. May only your will be done in my life and in everything that you have created. This is all I desire my God. I surrender my life into your hands. I give it to you, my God, with all the love I possess, because I do love you, and I desire, and I desire to give all of me and surrender into your hands without conditions, with eternal hope, because you are my Father. Let's stand and pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are as present in this room as you were present when Mary received the word from the angel. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are as present in this room as you were present when the creation of the world happened. And Holy Spirit, with Christians around the world through the ages, we pray the prayer of invitation to you. Come Holy Spirit and touch our hearts today. Come, Holy Spirit, and renew our lives, renew our hearts for us to be renewed in the calling to follow the way of Jesus, to make him seen, heard, and felt in all the arenas of our lives. Holy Spirit, we pray that you come, that you touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, for the brokenhearted, we pray that you come and bring healing today. For those of us who are struggling, Holy Spirit, to fully surrender to you, but wants to, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come and enable us to do what we cannot do ourselves. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence and we receive you, we receive your ministry today in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.